Michael Kopech is entering his seventh season with the Chicago White Sox, yet we still don't know what he's actually capable of. However, now is the time. No matter if it's Oscar Colas or Gavin Sheets, the Chicago White Sox will have their sixth different opening day right fielder in as many years come March 30th. Uh, the excitement surrounding Colas continues to build and he's got a lot of innings on his arm, but the White Sox are deciding to take a chance on reliever Brian Shaw. You are Locked On White Sox, your daily Chicago White Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Sox fans, welcome to Locked On White Sox. Thank you for making Locked On White Sox your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Sox. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, just search Locked On White Sox. Hey, I'm your host, Nick Murawski, a lifelong diehard Chicago White Sox fan, recording this podcast just blocks from the ballpark in beautiful Bridgeport. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore GGTV. Lockdown White Sox is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome back to Lockdown White Sox. We are gearing up for another season as the Sox get back into action in just a few days. I uh, really appreciate you passing this podcast along to other White Sox fans in your life. Uh, is the season inches closer. Just a heads up, we got that mailbag Wednesday coming up uh, next week. Get all those questions and comments uh, to LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Uh, talked a little bit about uh, uh, this pitcher in the previous episode, and I definitely have discussed him uh, throughout this offseason. I think he's an X factor in the starting rotation. Uh, talking about Michael Kopech, of course, uh, the time is now. It has to be. Uh, I, I'm going to get to a really interesting article by uh, James Fegan in The Athletic profiling uh, Kopech and what he's looking forward to uh, this coming season. Um, when I think about that, you know, time is now that, that Chambers Brothers song, uh, Time Has Come Today. I'm a classic rock fan. Not going to bore you uh, with that, but uh, that's what I'm thinking about. It's now. Time is uh, now, uh, again, the article by James Fegan uh, entitled Michael Kopech yearns to realize potential, uh, get White Sox back to postseason. So like Mankata, uh, Kopech is beginning his seventh season uh, with the White Sox. Uh, and this is a quote from Kopech. I think about it almost every day. It's been full of letdowns as much as it's been more of rewards than I could have ever imagined. Uh, Kopech has been through a ton uh, mentally, uh, physically. Uh, I don't think he was the guy uh, that we were all uh, terribly excited about uh, in that Chris Sale trade. If you had to pick one player, it was, of course, uh, Yoan Mankata. Uh, but when the trade happened in 2016, uh, this was a, a short blurb about Kopech from MLB.com. Uh, the 20 year old Kopech, Boston's first round pick in the 2014 draft, uh, went four and one with a 208 ERA in 12 starts between Class A short season Lowell 
and Class A Advanced Salem in 2016. Kopech, who throws 100 miles per hour, was Boston's number five prospect, is now ranked number two among White Sox prospects. Uh, so this is what Fegan wrote. Uh, anyone who has followed Kopech understands his full capabilities have yet to be seen consistently at the major league level, a feeling like too much of his nine years have been spent in the minors or rehabbing. He's grown weary of that. Uh, Kopech said, I've kind of had the narrative and identity of a young kid in the game for a long time, and I'm not so young anymore. The beauty about being young in the game is you can do all of the things wrong and not feel it. Uh, then you get a little bit older and you start to feel, hey, this doesn't feel right and you have to make adjustments. And I've done a lot wrong, but fortunately, that's helped me learn how to do a lot of things right. Vegan uh, went on pitching through his knee injury last summer. Kopech takes pride in how he developed trust in his slider and curveball uh, when the crutch of relying on an overpowering forcing fastball was removed. But he admonishes himself for trying to reach back for more velocity when it wasn't there. Kopech thinks it led to the shoulder problems that effectively ended his 2022 season and tasked himself with spending this spring learning to trust the health of his legs enough to push off the ground uh, with them. Uh, boy, uh, you know, if you've ever, you know, pitched, uh, whether it is high school or college, or you watched enough of the game and read enough of the articles, uh, you know, you hear folks, especially Steve Stone, talk about pitching, not throwing, you know, trying to develop into a pitcher, not a thrower. And, and who can blame uh, Michael Kopech? Uh, you got a hundred mile per hour fastball. It's you just want to let that ride. You don't want to show that off. Uh, you want the power to be there. And you think you can just rely on that. Uh, and I like Kopech realizing that, you know, I was young and uh, now I'm trying to become more of a pitcher. I have to, you know, I have to evolve. Uh, in the article, which is is such a great read, uh, Lance Lynn talked about his relationship. I'm sorry, Michael Kopech talked about his relationship with Lance Lynn and and how much he's learned from Lance Lynn. And again, I, I think that's such an important part of, of the piece. You know, we've discussed the Elvis Andros veteran presence, but it's also having veteran pitchers around, uh, so our young guys can kind of learn how to handle your business, especially when you get a little bit older and you have to be crafty. You know, you have to learn how to pitch. You can't just rely, you know, on that on that velocity as it starts to fade away. Uh, this is what Kopech said. The ability to learn what a daily grind was like last year when I was battling some stuff, I think will help me when I'm not having to battle such extreme things. Personally, I'm past the point of caring about stacking up strikeouts if I'm not getting past the sixth inning. I want to be a guy that goes deep. And it really bothered me last year that even the starts I was able to make, I was five, six innings. Being a guy in the bullpen the year before, I know how taxing it can be to have to be ready every single day. Uh, Fegan again here, uh, that frame of mind is essentially that it's time. It's time for a White Sox core that was supposed to accomplish more than this. It's time for a young talent who thought his breakout was at hand five years ago 
has learned a lot of hard lessons about why it didn't physically happen in the intervening years and doesn't want to be referred to as a young talent for much longer. Uh, Kopech elaborates, another season like last year is unacceptable, he said. I mean, how many people get to pitch in the postseason? Things like that, it's really hard to put into words, hard to describe. I just hope for many more moments like that because there's no high like it. Uh, great article by James Fegan in The Athletic. Get you a glimpse into uh, a lot of the struggles, you know, that have been documented. But, you know, again, the, the physical stuff that Kopech has gone through uh, that plays, you know, psychologically, plays with your confidence. And uh, I, I really appreciate it. Really in-depth piece. And uh, it is now. Now is the time to figure out uh, what we have for Michael Kopech. I mean, he could be such a difference maker in this starting rotation. And I don't think uh, there's a lot of folks talking necessarily about him. Uh, we are uh, as Sox fans, but nationally, of course, if they are talking about the White Sox, it's, you know, Giolito with a, a bounce back year. Can that happen? And of course, Dylan Cease, you know, can he uh, can he turn in an even better performance? Can he get can he win a Cy Young? at least get right back up there in the conversation. Then you've always, you know, you've got the veteran Lance Lynn, but Michael Kopech, you know, I think he can be uh, that X factor for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, Nikki Delmonico, Adam Eaton, and A.J. Pollock were the last three players to start a season in right field for the White Sox. Uh, Oscar Colas is preparing for his opening day opportunity. Uh, more on that uh, in a moment. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Uh, the midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, uh, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Uh, that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on anything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Uh, so don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So I rattled off uh, some names there. Uh, the last three right fielders that the White Sox have had, uh, you know, Daniel Palka is in that list when you want to go further back. Avisail Garcia back in 2017, 2018. That was the last time the Sox had uh, the same right fielder in back-to-back -back opening days. So, you know, this, this battle, one of the few battles that is really going on uh, for that starting spot in right field, uh, Gavin Sheets, Oscar Colas, maybe Lurie Garcia. I think the whole buzz about Aloy Jimenez is long gone. He will be your DH. Uh, so why get excited? Why should we continue to get excited? Uh, you know, we've seen this revolving door. Uh, the Sox didn't go out and they didn't get a proven right fielder. Uh, we've heard a lot uh, over the weeks, months. Uh, it's been a long off season. And this excitement, this buzz, it reminds me a, a little bit of the Luis Robert buzz uh, before that opening day when the Sox uh, inked him to an extension. So Scott Merkin had an article in WhiteSox.com. Maybe you saw it 
uh, Merkin wrote, uh, Colas ranked the club's number two prospect by MLB Pipeline, took little time off after posting an impressive 314, 371, 524 slash line uh, with 23 home runs, 24 doubles, 79 RBIs, and 81 runs scored across uh, 2022, where he had stops in high A Winston-Salem, Double A Birmingham and 31, only 31 at bats for Triple A Charlotte. His personal workouts were supplemented by hitting sessions in Miami with teammate Luis Robert, as well as working with White Sox Major League Field Coordinator Mike Tosar and hitting coach Jose Castro in sessions, including teammate Romy Gonzalez. Uh, This is what Colas had to say. They all had the reports of how the season went for you and the areas you need to improve upon. They identified, and I knew it, that I needed to be more selective with pitches that I wanted to swing at. We focused on that during this offseason. They have a very good team of staff there, and that helped me, put, uh, put me in a better position now. It was very important to start getting to know each other. They know me as an athlete, but now they kind of know me as a person, too. That's good. I think the relationship is good. The way we communicate in Spanish made things way easier. That's important because the communication is direct. How many times have we heard about communication this offseason with Pedro Grafol and his coaching staff? Uh, Merkin wrote that, Hitting process for Colas evolved throughout his White Sox minor league debut. He went from thinking just hit home runs to hitting the ball throughout the field. Uh, Robert and Colas have been friends well beyond their offseason workouts with Colas stating they are like brothers, like family. And Colas is the right demeanor to mesh with this group, not to mention the left-handed power bat. Uh, again, talked about, uh, I think it was last week on Lockdown, I uh, heard about how Luis Robert was mentoring Oscar Colas, which is such a, I think, a big, a big factor there. Uh, worried about, you know, who might be the mentor now that Jose Abreu is gone and he mentored so many young players coming through the White Sox system. Uh, what player or players are going to step up? Great to hear about this relationship uh, that Luis Robert and Oscar Colas have. Uh, more from Colas. Uh, I've thought about it. That's part of my dream, uh, Colas said, of reaching the majors. Sometimes you think uh, that it's not real, but I'm here working for that, and that's going to be a big accomplishment for me and my family and all the people who have been supporting me. Uh, here's Pedro Grafol. Uh, There's no BS about him. He comes here to work. Uh, This is what he loves to do. He takes pride in it. He asks a lot of good questions. He's extremely detailed for a young kid. Obviously, he's got ability. Looking forward to watching him progress this spring. Uh, So a great, great quote there from Grafol. Love the part about he asks good questions. Uh, Again, you, you hear about that. Uh, quite a bit, you know, uh, even with Mancada and asking questions, wanting more information, that's a good sign. So I really like Oscar Colas's understanding that he needs to adapt. Uh, the sounds like the coaching staff is going to set him up for success. You know, video and metrics, heat maps, uh, everything about you as a hitter is there. And, and sur- survival in the big leagues, I mean, it comes down to adapting, realizing what a pitcher is trying to do to you, not only during the current at bat, uh, but how he's setting you up for the rest of the game. 
critical. Andrew Vaughn uh, talked about it last offseason, learning to understand how pitchers will attack you. Uh, Griffol uh, talks about being proactive, uh, of course, instead of reactive. And I think Castro uh, has also talked about you know, this language with hitters, uh, and it revolves around having a good idea about what the opposition uh, is going to throw to you well before uh, you get into the batter's box. Uh, and I think that is what uh, some of these young guys and maybe some of the veterans are also craving. It's like, give me more information. What, you know, how can we study this uh, better? So I am so prepared uh, when getting in, and I'm not just guessing. You know, I know uh, count from count uh, what these what these pitchers are going to be trying to do to me uh, to maximize what a pitcher's strength is, but also exploit my weaknesses uh, as a hitter. Uh, and just you know, from the articles that are out there, from the quotes that are out there by Oscar Colas, he is well aware uh, of what pitchers are going to try to do. He knows where he needs to get better, and it sure sounds like he's working on that. Again, he's going to struggle. I mean, th this guy I've, I've heard can, you know, hit the daylights out of a fastball uh, and is probably going to struggle with the secondary stuff. And it's nasty uh, in the MLB. And that's to be expected. But if he hangs in there, you know, and he continues, you know, to put the work in the smart work, uh, I think he's going to be OK. Uh, again, if you if you can just, you know, play defense, we need that. We need to get better at the corners. We got that from Benatendi and left, but we need it in right. If you can play good defense, solid defense, you know, hitting cutoff mans, how about that? Uh, and it just looks like you know what you're doing out there. You know, we'll 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 ride the struggles with the bat, but I don't know if the struggles are going to be that long. Uh, exciting stuff to read there about Oscar Colas. Uh, lots of talk about expectations and why this year will be different. Speaking of talk, uh, Tim Anderson has a problem with some of the talk from last season. Uh, more on that in a moment. Uh, lots of expectations, uh, you know, are being uh, discussed and reiterated at the beginning of spring training. We've been hearing about it uh, since the offseason, uh, you know, the early stages, really, of the offseason from Rick Hahn uh, about, you know, what the plan is for this team and where this team, what this team is capable of. Uh, so uh, Pedro Grafol talked about what he was planning on accomplishing uh, this first week of full squad workouts. Uh, is, is that starting to come to a close here with that first spring training game uh, on Saturday, February 25th? So this was uh, Grafol. Our expectations are to come out, be extremely detailed. We're going to teach about how we want to do things. We're building our culture. We're coming together as a team. Uh, this is the first time that pitchers and position players are together. We didn't do a team defense on Monday, but we will Tuesday, which is really important to make sure we match the speed on both sides. Expectations for this week are to come out here, work hard, high energy, get your work done, get out, go to your families. Uh, Grafol apparently is not a meetings guy telling the media managerial comments from those sessions last a little while before disappearing from players' minds. He wants to reinforce matters through discipline and focus on the field. Uh, one sentiment delivered by Grafol clearly stuck with players on Monday. You can't win it in the spring, but you sure can lose it. So work hard 
uh, and do things the right way, potentially moving a winning culture to a championship culture. Uh, I know it's uh, rather dated, but I shared this little story from a, a book I was reading about the 1959 Chicago White Sox. Obviously, they won the American League pennant, lost to the Dodgers in the World Series, and a manager Lopez talking about uh, the difference between 1958 and 1959, 1958, again, a long time ago, but I still, I, I think it can translate uh, here to 2023. Uh, the Sox took it easy early in the season. You know, they played for the long game. There wasn't a lot of urgency at the beginning of 1958. And Lopez realized that, uh, played with a better urgency early on, uh, got the intensity up, play for the now uh, and, you know, we saw what happened there. So, uh, again, I like that message from Grafol. Uh, here's Han uh, and his expectations. I've said all along the expectations for this team are very high. Uh, we're embarrassed by how things played out last year and know that this team is capable of much, much more. Uh, you hearken back to a year ago this time when we were widely viewed as not only potential favorites in the division, but also to do damage in October. And you fast forward to the expectations outside the organization at this time. Uh, we get it based on how we performed and what happened last year, why a lot of those expectations publicly have tempered. Internally, I don't think expectations have changed in terms of what we're hoping and expecting this team to be. We know what this team's capable of doing, and our expectations are to meet those capabilities. Uh, so last year was, of course, an embarrassment. Uh, it was a disgrace, and uh, I think that has been one of the struggles is trying to dig yourself out of this, this ditch, this crater that you created. And it wasn't a terribly impressive offseason, uh, but the team uh, was really tough to watch last year. And it, it's, it just felt like they were sleepwalking half the time when they were on the field, lots of injuries and obviously players not living up to their potential. Well, Tim Anderson uh, has been, you know, visiting with the media these last couple of days since he got to camp. And uh, you got to check this out if you haven't. Uh, Chuck Garfine, who does a great job with the uh, NBC uh, Sports Chicago, the, uh, the, the, the podcast there. And, and, I, and I have enjoyed him and Ozzy on the pre and post, especially last year, which was why I got a laugh out of what Tim Anderson uh, had to say to Chuck Garfine uh, in, in this interview that he posted on social media. And, and Anderson not happy with the criticism. Uh, T.A. was not happy with how Chuck Garfine was so critical. Uh, T.A. said uh, Chuck caused confusion. Uh, and basically, Anderson was unhappy that fans were too down on the team. Um, you know, I get where Tim Anderson is coming from, but I, I can't be very sympathetic. I think White Sox fans want to be positive, but have been set up for the letdown uh, too many times. Uh, it wasn't about uh, being negative in my mind. It was about being realistic in what was happening last season. Uh, 2022 was ugly for so many reasons. Uh, if the reality appears to be negative, then kind of so be it. Uh, I was glad Chuck and uh, Ryan McGuffey and, of course, Ozzy were so transparent with their pre- and post-game comments. Uh, you know, it was kind of refreshing, actually, and I get it. Uh, their stuff is broadcast probably in the clubhouse, and it probably wore on a lot of players, but... I think in a lot of ways, Chuck was just calling like how he saw it, and he was just getting frustrated. Same thing with Ozzy and with McGuffey. 
Uh, we wanted so much more uh, out of this team. I think Sox fans want to be positive. And, and there's a lot of hope and we talk about it uh, and what the potential can be with this team. But I, I did get a laugh at because uh, I, I didn't I thought Chuck was pretty tame compared to a lot of the other criticism about T.A. Uh, in this team last year. Uh, last note here, uh, Chicago White Sox have signed veteran reliever Brian Shaw uh, to a minor league contract and invited him to spring training. Uh, the team announced an MLB trade rumors reported on it. Shaw will vie for a spot in Chicago's bullpen over the next several weeks. Shaw, 35 years old, has spent the bulk of his career, including the past two seasons in Cleveland, uh, he struggled with a 5.40 ERA in 58 and a third innings uh, with the Guardians in 2022, uh, thanks to one of the lowest strand rates of his career and one of the highest home run rates he's ever yielded. Uh, even as he struggled, Shaw has maintained his solid velocity, a 94.6 miles per hour average for Seymour over the past couple seasons and above average ground ball tendencies. Shaw will give the White Sox a durable veteran arm who can potentially be stashed uh, in the upper minors. And if he's able to round into 2021 form, uh, he can help the Sox to weather the absences of Garrett Crochet uh, and Liam Hendricks. So some depth there. Potentially, uh, we saw a lot of Brian Shaw. Uh, he has led the league in innings pitched uh, multiple times. A lot of innings on that arm, but you never know. We need the depth. And uh, uh, like uh, the article mentioned, we are going to be without some arms, uh, at least for the beginning of the season, and still waiting uh, for Liam Hendricks and to know more. But uh, all the signs are positive. Just wishing him the absolute best. Folks, uh, thank you so very much for making this podcast a part of your daily routine. You can find the Lockdown White Sox podcast absolutely everywhere. Uh, you find your podcast. We're on Twitter at Lockdown Sox. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore GGTB. Hey, and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and get those questions in for next week's mailbag, uh, LockdownSox at gmail.com. Thanks for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen. Now make your second listen, the Lockdown MLB Prospects. Uh, host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast coming up on the next episode. Building the chemistry continues as our White Sox inch closer to their first game of the spring. Appreciate you making time for the Lockdown White Sox podcast. I'm Nick Morowski. Until next time, go Sox.